I've listened to Destroyer by Kiss for years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It! everybody and welcome back to spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm james and with me as you know by now is connor surprise it's me no that was a surprise i didn't expect you to be there (laughs) anyway this week we're talking about kiss the band and their album destroyer what do you know about kiss (laughs) okay so promising start (laughs) kiss is one of those bands that like everyone knows at least a little bit yeah right but really i think i could only name like before this record uh i think i could maybe only name like two kiss songs by by name what did you name the rest of them by i just mean like i like i knew like if you were like name a kiss song i could maybe only have named you i was made for loving you and rock and roll all night and that was probably it Okay. But as and we'll talk about it as we go through the songs. I recognized and knew way more Kiss songs. And I was just like, I know this song, but I didn't recognize its title. I wouldn't have been able to name that title. Or if you told me the title, I wouldn't have been able to tell you it was a Kiss song. But then as soon as it started playing, I was like, ah! It all's coming together. Yeah, this is an album like that. I kind of had a similar experience where everyone, you know, I kind of knew Detroit Rock City, but wasn't sure about the rest of it. But yeah, it really made me remember that I knew a lot of this. And then also it sticks with you. You know, once you know some of these songs, you're not likely to forget them very soon. It's a catchy album. Now, let's talk a little bit about Kiss. Kiss was formed in New York in 1973. And while they've had a couple members come and go over the years, today we're mostly focused on the founding four. And they each have, you know, their stage personas, which are really unique. We've got Gene Simmons, who sings, who plays the bass, and his makeup, his persona is the demon we've got paul stanley who sings and plays the guitar he's the star child ace fraley does the vocals and the lead guitar he's the spaceman or space ace and peter chris sang and played the drums and he was the cat man what do you think your kiss outfit would be if you could like if you had to do kiss makeup what would you try and make this is a good question i should have anticipated this and thought about it I didn't think about it either until just now. I'm trying to think of something weird. Right. My brain immediately went to egg, but that's really just an oval. <laughs> the egg. <laughs> you just want to be the egg? Okay. I think like one of those hypnotic spirals would be cool. Okay. Yeah. But I think no, egg is uh, egg is on brand, so we'll go with egg. I'm, I'm the egg. The egg. You could, you could maybe like be a broken egg and be the Humpty. No, I don't like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what a tangent. You'd be the egg. What are you? I don't know what I'd be. I don't know. The first thing that popped into my head was iguana. Oh. I don't know why. It'd be another weird one. Maybe some kind of lizard. They don't have enough lizard. Never enough lizard. No, I guess not. So that's that's the four of Kiss, and I guess what the extra two of us would be if we were in Kiss. The band's name was derived from one of Peter Chris's previous bands called Lips. That's a, a such a bad band name, in my opinion. Lips... I, I don't think you could be a world-famous rock band with a name like Lips. You really gotta, you gotta smooch it up. Oh, sure you could. You just have to, you, especially if you, like, came up with that uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show logo, you know, for your band. That's a super popular logo. 
I guess. Well, that's where the name Kiss comes from. People have speculated all kinds of things about it, but that's really all it is, is it's just a puckering of the band lips. The original four-man lineup was in action for seven years. Peter Chris left in 1980, and Ace Frehley followed two years later. In that short time, though, the band was very quickly known for their absolutely wild live shows, featuring, I mean, beyond just the costumes and the makeup and the personas, they had wild special effects, like breathing fire, blood spitting, levitating drums, and some, I mean, really intense pyrotechnics. Their guitars would smoke, they would shoot rockets off, and the band would sometimes even catch their own hair on fire on accident. That wasn't part of the plan. Gene Simmons guesstimated that it happened to him six or seven times over the years. It's a pretty wild show. Maybe we should do that with the podcast. Should we get some pyrotechnics? That'd be cool. It would be cool. Let us know in the comments if you want to see more pyrotechnics on this podcast. Maybe we'll catch our hair on fire. On this audio-only podcast, we're going to do pyrotechnics. I mean, why not? So, of the group's 20 studio albums to date, 11 of them came during those first seven years. And that number, that includes Kiss's simultaneous solo albums in 1978, which is an interesting story. The band was contracted to each release like a solo album, so each one of those solo albums would count as one half album towards their five album deal. So all four members got together and they said, okay, we're going to do our solo albums at the same time. And it was actually the first time a band did that and had all their members release simultaneous solo projects. Did like the songs connect in any way on any of them? No, <laughs> they were just totally separate. But very interesting. And I mean, those are like canonically Kiss albums. It would have been cool if like the end of one of the last song of one album like synced up in a way with the start of the next one i guess it would have maybe i don't know maybe they tried that and it didn't work i'm not sure we should we should try that so one podcast ends and the other one begins perfectly the same yeah that's what we'll do at the end of this one we'll start you know we'll we'll start a sentence and then we'll finish the sentence on the next episode Okay, good idea. Whatever. Sure. So that total, by the way, that 11 album total also does not include their Unmasked album in 1980. Anton Fig was the uncredited drummer on that record, despite Peter Chris still appearing on the cover. So that's an interesting little tidbit. He wasn't the drummer. I read a I read when I was reading an article about Kiss that said they did that quite often that they would put people member iconic members of the band on album covers that that person didn't participate in for some reason. Yeah, it, it just, I guess, was what it was, you know? It's the two Fleetwood Max situation where, you know, they play the songs live and that's really what it's all about. Kiss, well, I mean, we'll get into this. Kiss is a marketing band. They're a brand more than they're a band, right? And that's really cool. But that's why the names and the faces associated with the music are probably more important than the music itself in some ways. I... I know the mixtaper was excited to get into some details on some of their marketing side of Kiss. I, I pointed him in that direction, and I said, I will give you the ability to do this without me looking into it farther. So, we'll see what he's come up with in a bit. So, Chris and Fraley leave the band in 1983, and Kiss began performing without their trademark stage makeup and their signature look in what ended up being called... Their, their decade-long unmasked era, which is really interesting to go from this band this with such a look, such a recognizable look, to being unmasked like that. The two, of course, did return with great bravado in the late 90s when Kiss would remask 
and they would reunite for a reunion tour and another album with the original lineup. But things happened to fall apart pretty quickly in 2001. Despite their prominence and pretty high visibility, right? Like you said, everyone kind of knows Kiss. They have surprisingly few award wins to their name, which... Not that surprising. What do you mean, not that surprising? Like, like you said, they're more iconic for being a band and for what they've done with their look than they are for their music. That's a good point. True. Well, as far as awards do go, in 1977, Beth, which you now know, won them a People's Choice Award for Favorite New Song. They've been nominated for a single Grammy. Best Hard Rock Performance for 1999's Psycho Circus. And they won a lot of Metal Edge Reader's Choice Awards from 96 to 2000. KISS got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1999. And they earned the Recording Academy Honors in 2001, which is the second highest honor that the Academy bestows aside from the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. And then the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. The good old Hoff. The, the Hall of Fame, yes. So, uh, influences for KISS include Alice Cooper, the New York Dolls, the Yardbirds, Slade, the Beatles. A lot of British rock is what influenced KISS. And they actually credit British rock and its mainstream popularity in the United States with what enabled them to make their sound. Well, given the stage effects, the pyrotechnics, and the over-the-top live shows they put on, KISS became really a pioneer for touring and like major concerts. In their 50-year history, KISS has embarked on 34 tours and counting. Their still-ongoing end-of-the-road tour grossed $81.6 million in 2019. 2019 for this band, you know, that's been around since the 70s. But it was the seventh-highest-earning North American tour that year. Over the course of their career, their touring income has been astronomical. It surpassed $300 million. And they were really, you know, pioneers, like I said, for the for the practice of it. They had bigger stages, more effects, all kinds of other stuff that people at the time just weren't doing with their concerts. So that in turn required bigger road crews. It required buses, more money, you know, to put on the show. So to cover that cost, that increased cost for concerts, they were one of the first bands, like I mentioned, to do a deep dive into branded merchandise. And it's estimated that they lent their name and their image to more than 3,000 products. They've generated more revenue through merchandise than any other artist ever. The numbers that I've seen said Kiss is roughly a billion dollar brand, which is just wild. So that's about Kiss. This week we're focusing in on their album Destroyer. It came out on March 15th, 1976, and is Kiss's fourth studio album. Still pretty, still pretty early on in the discography. It's very hard rock, heavy metal, glam metal, and uh, people like to call it shock rock, which is a great genre name. But that's because, I mean, some of the lyrical content is shocking, but also the way that they would present it with the makeup and the lights. It was quite a show. This was Kiss's third straight album to break through the U.S. Top 40. It was certified platinum by November of 1976. Its success was enough to propel them to their very first European tour. Their producer, this is a fun fact about this album that I really love, their producer Bob Ezrin would take breaks during the recording sessions and actually teach the band music theory. Because, you know, they were just four guys with their instruments, kind of writing songs and doing whatever. And Bob Ezrin says, no, no, if you guys are going to be a successful band, you need to learn the ropes. You need to actually know music theory. 
and he held them accountable by wearing a whistle and treating them like they were at a boot camp with a really strict schedule. Simmons says that it was exactly what the band needed at the time to grow and progress in their career. Destroyer is the first Kiss album to feature significant contributions from outside musicians. Like you talked about, they do bring in a lot of people, including the New York Philharmonic, the Brooklyn Boys Chorus, and the guitarist from Alice Cooper's band. Kerrang! called Destroyer number 36 on their list of the 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all time, and all music described it as one of Kiss's quote-unquote strongest and most interesting albums. And Rolling Stone called it a ridiculously over-the-top party rock album that just gets better with age. And uh, today, it's aged its way up almost 50 years at this point, and we'll see if it's really gotten better. And with that, I think I'll cede uh, the rest of my time over to our friendly neighborhood supervillain, the mixtaper, if he's ready to go. Friendly neighborhood supervillain. Well, I mean, he's at, le- he's at least in the neighborhood, if nothing else. I think he's pretty friendly. Despite him maybe trying not to be sometimes, I think he still ends up being relatively friendly. Yeah, he does. It's the supervillain part that's the most dubious. But let's get him on out here. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Hello, welcome back to the show. How are you doing this week? Oh, pretty good. You know, the research for this week's episodes really got my little mixtaper brain going for some mixtaper branded merchandise. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the greatest thing to hit the to hit the streets since since the Satan shoes. Since Lil Nas X's Satan shoes. Yeah, those were the ones with the blood in them, right? Yeah, th- that was it. Yeah. Did you know Kiss beat Little Nas X to the blood merchandise? Is this a fact, or are you just telling me this? This is my first fact. Okay. They have a blood comic. Whoa. That's pretty intense. So, like, like a comic book, but, like, printed with blood? That's wild. Okay, tell me more. What's... Is this, like, a... A Kiss-themed comic? Is it about the band or them? Or yeah, yep, it's about the band. Wild. What do they do in this comic? It's a it's a comic super special called Kiss. It's forty pages of full color comics plus never before published photos and that and features of Kiss the band. So it's a forty page comic about like Kiss goes on this adventure. Okay, was it made with their blood? Indeed. Oh, really? Uh huh. Okay. How much of their blood was was in it? They, because uh, I don't know how much, but they had a they had a registered nurse draw the blood under the eye of a notary uh, a notary public. So it's notarized blood. Yeah, and then they mixed it with the red ink and used it to print the comics. That's wild. How many of these did they make? Uh, 50,000 copies. 50,000? 50, no, sorry, 500,000 copies. Oh, that's better. Okay, never mind. I was going to say 50,000 would be a lot of blood, but... <laughs> okay, that feels like a lot of blood, but I guess if you just mix it with ink, it could probably be there in trace amounts. Yeah. Well, you, I imagine you can't have that much in there and it be okay right it had to be it probably had to be pretty diluted yeah oh definitely so what was the response to this were people as up in arms as they were about the satan shoes 
It was a it, it was a success. Like I said, they they I guess I don't know how many they made because they sold the five hundred thousand copies. They could have made more. And it was the it was the publishing company's single best selling issue until uh, until the nineteen ninety until the nineteen until nineteen ninety. This came out in nineteen seventy seven. So from nineteen seventy seven to nineteen ninety, this was their best selling single issue. What on earth beat it? Uh, the relaunch of Spider-Man. By the way, I forgot to mention, this was Marvel who did this. This was Marvel? What? Marvel Comics. It's a Marvel Comics super special, Kiss, that sees uh, that sees Kiss, you know, the band, turned into superheroes, and they fight Doctor Doom alongside Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers. There's actual Marvel characters in this. Wow. It's licensed. Very interesting. I think I'm going to have to say that this one is a fact. Going with a fact. Yeah, it's a pretty hard one to believe. But as a brand, and I mean as a band that's often kind of lumped in with the occult-like blood-themed things, I don't know. Maybe I'm desensitized. You know, maybe on these facts about Jared Leto wearing ears and Machine Gun Kelly's blood necklaces, like maybe I've just grown too used to this thing, but... I could conceivably see this being true. So I'm going to say fact. How disappointed would you be if I told you the comic book was real, but I made up the blood part? (laughs) That would be pretty disappointing. Well, fear not. This is a true fact. (laughs) It's true. It's true. They bled in comics. Yep. I don't, I honestly don't see the appeal. It is apparently now worth a bit more than a dollar 50. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I, I don't even want, my own blood. Like, if I bled and made something with it, I wouldn't want that. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that's a fact. <laughs> All right. It's like, it's, like par- it's like people who take, like, their kids' baby teeth and make a necklace out of it. It's like, no, stop. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, stop. All right, well, that was fact number one. Moving right along to fact number two. Oh, I hope these don't all ramp up. I, start- I want to start with a shocking one this time, so I went with that one. But shock. It was shock rock. Number two is their stage show featured a famous movie prop. Oh, okay. I like this. Which, was it a particular stage show from a specific tour? Yes. Okay. And did the whole show feature it? Was it for a specific stunt? What happened? They used it in their 1976 Destroyer tour. Oh, okay. For some of the early dates, but then they had to stop using it. Interesting. So before you, you tell me more about that... Can you tell me what movie it was from and I could try and figure out what prop? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> if I I don't even know if I've seen the movie and odds are that I probably haven't. Yeah, well, it's from the 1931 horror classic Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Is it a pyrotechnic thing? I mean, Frankenstein gets shocked with lightning on that little table, right? Was it something to do with that? Yeah, it was the giant Tesla coil that was used to shock Frankenstein with lightning. Oh my goodness. Uh, they dubbed it the God of Thunder Machine. I thought that might be exactly what they used it for. Yeah, I can see it's right on this album. Yep, they use it to emit different colored electrical beams. Oh, this is quite a fact. How'd they get their hands on this? Don't know. Probably bought it. What I would imagine. Or borrowed. Bought or borrowed. So why did it have to be? I mean, it's cool if it's true. But why did it have to be the real one from Frankenstein? Couldn't they just find another Tesla coil? I mean, they probably could have, but like you said, it's cool. <laughs> so you said they, they started using it and then had to stop. Was that because something was going wrong? 
It was too cumbersome and unreliable. Oh, well, yeah, as a thing that was already 40 years old at the time, and already intended to be a movie prop at that. How cumbersome was it? What what size are we talking here? I mean, this this thing is pretty big. You've never seen Frankenstein, I assume? I, I, I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I'm sure I've seen the part in question. Yeah, there's like this giant coil behind Frankenstein lying on the table when he's getting shocked with electricity, and they're going, it's alive! There's a giant freaking coil back there, and it's that. It's that, yeah. Well, I guess that's all the questions I would have. I think this is maybe a spin. A spin. What's leaning you that way? It seems convenient that the song God of Thunder is here, and I think you took that and tried to maybe weave in something shocking, something maybe scary, spooky, something with thunder. And I think, yeah, you're a movie fan, so... I am. I I wouldn't be surprised if they did this, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a spin. Well, since either way you're not surprised... Surprise! It's a fact! <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess I am a little surprised that it's a fact. Yeah, true fact. It's very cool. So where where is it now? What What's happened to it since Kiss is done with it? I don't know. Great question. I'm not great enough that I'm going to look it up, but great question. <laughs> someone in the someone in the comments can can tell us. If you know where the Frankenstein Tesla coil is, you better tell us right now. Tell us tell us in the comments. Five spinning bucks to the first person to tell us the truth. And be right. Yeah. Not yeah. just because say you can't just say it. <laughs> All right, all right. That's fact number two. Where are we going for fact number three? Well, you know, like you said, you know, we're trying to get some spooky, scary stuff going on in Fact and Spin this week. And so my next one for you is that they made a monster book. All these these books things. A monster book, like like literature or like another comic book? No, like a book of photos. Okay, of like actual photos of actual monsters no of them of them dressed as monsters <laughs> nope <laughs> was the book just really big and like a monster compared to normal sized books that's exactly what it was and it was called and it was called the kiss monster book that's bizarre okay what what are they doing in these pictures is it just them hanging out it's just a hundred it's 127 photographs with some rare never before seen images sourced from the band's own archives i wonder how they put them in the book and still make them never seen true they, they, the, the the people who put build the book uh do a blindfolded that's i can't see i hope this looks good <laughs> that's some of the pages are upside down <laughs> so never before seen collectible book 127 pictures really doesn't sound that monstrous well no it's more the size of the book okay how how big is the book dare i ask three feet high by two and a half feet wide by two inches thick too too just thick it's like huge and then so tiny what so three feet high yep my goodness by two and a half feet wide so it's a monster book i suppose so so why make it this size what's the advantage i don't know why not (laughs) and so the pictures that are in it are all that big then oh yeah yep and is there any text at all? Any stories behind the pictures or like? Doesn't appear so. No, it looks like it's all photos. And it looks like from the images I'm seeing that the photos take up like two pages each, you know. And they so, so more details about it. Uh, 
Each copy was individually signed, dated, and numbered by the four members of the current lineup at that time, which was Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Tommy Thayer, and Eric Singer. Oh, and the signature page has a personal message from Kiss to their fans on it. Wow. Okay, so how many did they have to make? I have that here. Oh, one, they only made 1,000 copies with 11 different covers, and you could pick your cover at time of order. And it looks like the covers were, it said Kiss's kiss and the kiss logo and then monster under is a kiss monster and then a flag from a bunch of different countries oh okay yeah and that's that that's the book okay how much did they sell it for it's obviously pretty limited edition pretty collectible oh i'm so glad you asked that you know what that means it's time for guess that dollar amount boy it's a hard one this is a tough one because how do you value something like this? It's a collectible. It only appeals to people who really want it. And is limited edition and signed. I'm going to say, when when did this come out? 2012. Okay, uh, that's not when I was expecting at all. What were you expecting? I was going more, like, maybe a little farther back. It looks like August 21st of 2012. Thank you, thank you. I'll be able to pinpoint exactly where inflation... I'm almost never, I'm almost never exact, so since I had that information... Thought I'd do it. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think this probably cost $600. $600 or a three foot by two and a half foot by two inch book with 127 photographs, a signed message, and a personalized cover. I suppose. I'm really just taking a shot in the dark. That is a big shot in the dark and a big old miss. The price tag of this monster book was $4,250. Oh. Wow, I guess there are a lot of big Kiss fans out there. $4,250. Wow. Did this one sell out? I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. I think this probably is a fact. Going with a fact on this one. I'm going with a fact on this one. They, again, just made a lot of weird merchandise. And the dimensions of this book are all kinds of awful. This is like not a coffee table book. You can't put it on your bookshelf. I, I don't even know where you'd put it if you had it. I, I think this is probably a fact. This is probably a fact. This is a true fact. Ooh. Other information I have about this is that all editions of the Kiss Monster book were hand-stitched and bound in Italy by the same binder used by the Vatican and printed in high-definition inks by one of the world's finest limited edition and large format printers. Well, if I had known that, I would have guessed. You didn't tell me it was bound by the Vatican guy. Yeah, well, you didn't ask. <laughs> Do you know how this game show works? I didn't <laughs> didn't realize it was going to be relevant. But that brings us to our newest Spin It game show. And that's right, you know the, me, the mixtape. We're always trying to bring new game shows to the podcast. Yeah. And it's time to play the first ever round of Fast Fire Facts or Spins. Oh, no. Audience, this isn't planned. I don't, I don't know what this is. So the way Fast Fire Facts, or spins, works is I'm going to name a product Kiss has supposedly made merchandise with, and you're going to gut instinct decide if it's true or false. I love this. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you can maybe ask, like, one question if you have, like, a clarifying question or whatever, but Fast Fire, I'm just going to name a product, and you're going to tell me if you think it exists. Okay, are you gonna you're gonna tell me if I'm right or not as I go along? Yep, 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 yep. yep. Okay, I guess I'm ready. First up, a kiss inflatable tongue. 
inflatable tongue. Yes. Gene Simmons is known for his tongue. I'm saying this is real. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Nice. I'm putting images of, of the tr- real ones in the chat for you. When, ew. Oh, tongue inflates to three times its original size. <laughs> yeah, it is. Choking hazard. <laughs> Wild. Okay. Up next, a kiss Mr. Potato Head. Oh, I think I've seen these in the wild. I, yeah, I think this is true. This exists. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. And it's all the band members. Yeah. A Chia Pet of Gene Simmons. They make Chia Pets of everybody. I'm going to say this one's also true. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, it looks awful. <laughs> yeah, it does. It looks awful. Uh, ne- my next one for you. A Kiss Casket. Spelled with a K. Casket? What? Is- Spelled with a K. <laughs> so you can go to your you can go to your funeral home and say when i die bury me in that and they'll do it if it's real no way this is not real this is a real product oh <laughs> there it is. a kiss casket i really underestimated everything while we're on the subject they also sell a kiss urn mm. not spelled with a k no that'd be weird <laughs> I'm skeptical of this one because you just showed me the real casket. I feel like you just piggybacked off of it. But also, if they make a casket, it's only fair to the people who want to be cremated that they make an urn. Mmm. For the flaming youth. I'm going to have to roll the dice and say this is a fact. Fact? You're going fact? Maybe. Ding, ding, ding. This is a fact. Oh, my gosh. Um. Next up, a kiss tongue calendar. Calendar? I mean, again, Gene Simmons has the tongue. Oh, would they make a whole calendar out of it? I don't know. No, I don't think it's real. This is a real product. Oh, cool. So you rip off you rip off his... I thought it was like a, just a normal wall calendar that was like themed about Gene Simmons' tongue. You literally... The, to, the date is on his tongue and you rip off a tongue to reveal the next date. That's incredible and I am no longer surprised it exists. Are you surprised that perhaps a kiss Snuggie exists? Wow, remember Snuggy? It's a blanket for your front. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, yeah, there has to be a Kiss Snuggy. Surely they jumped on that wave. Indeed they did. Kiss Snuggy, a real product. Wow, it looks looks cozy. Another possible real product? Kiss Condoms, also spelled with a K. Mm, yeah, because why not? Uh, do you think Pink Floyd would use them in their stage shows to be the lights (laughs) i think that's probably true it is indeed true ew no stop it says tongue lubricated yeah it does (laughs) disgusting i knew i almost made a joke about it being tongue related and boy that was too real would have been too real my next one for you a hello kitty line of merchandise called hello kissy (laughs) there's no way there, you you better not tell me this is real. There's no way this is real. This has to be a spin. This is a real product. <laughs> I can't believe it. Why would anyone do this? Who makes Hello Kitty? Why did you agree to this? Next up, urinal cakes with Gene Simmons' face on them. Oh, crap. Urinal cakes? What a specific product. You don't have a urinal unless you're like a business. Wow. I, there, sure, why not? Why not indeed? There it is. It exists. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing with his fingers? Gene Simmons Family Jewels, Sundays at 9 p.m. This is promoting a TV show? I think so. Yeah, he had like a reality TV show. That's something else. 
Uh, we're going to tone it down for just a moment and say kiss ketchup. Spelled with a K. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people do the cat sup thing. I, I'm going to say this is probably another existing product. Yep, yep. Uh, called Hotter Than Hell Habanero Ketchup. Yeah, the kiss condiment. Second to last one for you. Kiss air guitar strings. Stop. Okay. <laughs> so this one's going to prompt me to ask some questions. Okay. Air guitar strings. Is it just an mm-hmm. empty package? Oh, you know it. <laughs> how how much does the Kiss Air guitar strings go for? I did not. I do not know. Yeah, this is probably real. Oh, you betcha. There you go. Kiss Air guitar strings. Uh, Kiss branded empty bag. Yeah, it's true. You don't get to be a billion dollar brand unless you st- unless you sell snake oil like that. That's what you have to do. <laughs> And then my final one, a kiss candy tongue. Oh, that, hmm, this feels deceptive. Everything else tongue related has been real, and it's your last one, and it seems like, oh, yeah, of course there's a candy tongue. I can't trust it. I'm going to say this is a spin. Oh, go and spin. This is the one and only spin. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) exist. I knew the candy tongue existed, but I just, there's for some reason, the way you presented it last like that was was sloppy i went with 12 true products and threw in a 13th unlucky spin so you did and that was our first round of fast fire facts or spins i like that that was a fun game and uh i would have to point out that i got 10 of your 13 right so you did so i think you take the point for round four of the classic four facts or spins making this week a 3-1 split i believe that's 3-1 I'll, at least again, at least it wasn't a shutout. I'll take it. At this point, as long as I get you once, I'm happy. I've given up on winning. Well, I mean, you've you've had some good weeks lately. Red Hot Chili Peppers was three in your favor. Yes, was a tie. Uh, the 1975 is hard to say because we we literally did 1,975 facts. I I don't know if we're allowed to do this, but I'd like to make a fun little collage of all these products to put on Instagram for our listeners to see the products. Oh, I'm for it. All right. So go check out our socials, probably Instagram at the at least. You'll one of our one of our pictures will will be all those products we just talked about, so you can see them for yourself. There are some wild ones in there. And with that, I'm gonna go figure out how to mix make, make mix a mixtape or chia pet. A mixtape or chia pet? That sounds dangerous. Have fun and good luck. Yeah. Well, the mixtaper is back up to his dastardly tricks. That's a fun new game show. We're up to like five, four or five game shows on the, on Spin It Now. A handful. Yeah, we got a good handful going. We got Factor Spin, Guess That Dollar Amount, Fast Fire Facts, or Spins, Guess Who, or Spin. That's four. And there's probably a fifth one hiding somewhere. We've probably, we've probably done something sometime. Who knows? <laughs> well, exciting stuff. We should talk about the album art on Destroyer. The album art of Destroyer features the band cheering and jumping their way on top of a pile of rubble with the world exploding behind them appropriate for an album called destroyer yeah yeah the art was designed and painted by ken kelly a fantasy artist his first draft of the cover actually was rejected for being too violent with all the ruins and the fire and things that he included in it so this current cover is the second draft and honestly i think it's great it captures the energy of the band really well i think it i mean 
they're an electrifying band puts on a good live show and i would guess that from looking at this cover not to mention i think some of the songs on this album also talk about destruction they get pretty involved you know yeah i really so i didn't send you a picture of it i don't think the marvel comic cover and by me i mean the mixtaper right Uh, yes but it, it is very reminiscent of that oh i'd imagine the kiss standing around making you know, posed in weird poses around an explosion. Yeah, this is one of their more iconic album covers. We also didn't talk about, but I feel like we can't get through the whole episode without talking about it, how Kiss was in Scooby-Doo. Oh, you're right. Just need to bring that up and say that it's a thing. Yeah, Kiss in Scooby-Doo. The twice. They're, they're, like, they're like a cameo in one movie where there's a bunch of different bands, and then they do like a Scooby-Doo and Kiss crossover. It's bizarre to me. Again, with how much everyone knows Kiss and the splash they've made, some of the stuff they've been involved in is really you just you can dig and dig and you'll never hit the bottom of what Kiss has done. Yeah, that should be our goal in life as a podcast to be on Scooby Doo. To be on Scooby Doo, I like it. The mixtaper on Scooby Doo. Start the petition now. We can unmask him. It's just gonna be him again. Yeah, <laughs> he rips off the mask and it's him again. It's not like he's got some secret identity. Well. Shall we begin? I think we shall. I think we shall too. Detroit Rock City is the track that kicks off this rockin' album. Yes. Detroit Rock City was the third single from the album, and obviously it's become one of the really, really well-known Kiss tracks since then. When they released it, they actually put it out with Beth as the B-side, but Beth got super popular, and so they decided since it was bigger with the mainstream audience, they would reissue the pair, and they flipped them. So Beth was the A-side, and Detroit Rock City took a back seat. Really? It's kind of the opposite of what you would expect, and it's obviously the opposite of what they expected to happen. I've definitely heard this song, but I don't think I've ever heard it with this intro that they have put on it. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. The intro is, is interesting. It's a song about a car crash. Someone's driving on the wrong side of Grand Avenue, also known as, colloquially, the boulevard, when he hits a truck. They tease it with that introduction, this like news broadcast voiced by Gene Simmons himself, by the way, but the verses, they put us behind the eyes of this person in the hours leading up to the incident. It's actually reportedly about a real event, a real kiss fan who actually died on his way to see one of their shows. Yeah. I I read that when I was listening to the song. This is a song that I feel like also has popped up in a bunch of pop culture stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I can't name anything off the top of my head, but this, this feels like the kind of song that like, ironically is like shown during like a driving montage i feel like yeah that's unfortunate but probably true it's it's that it's got that pump up nature that a montage needs you know that music is just really rocking that that you know baseline the yeah it really gets you it's perfect to kick the album off you know to get you get you pumped up get your get your blood pumping before the rest of the album yeah well speaking of getting pumped up that's that's what the song builds into is The man's trying to make the midnight show, but he's got some stuff in his system as he's heading out. You know, he's done a little pre-gaming. And boy, does that turn out to be a really bad idea. He gets a little too pumped up. Yeah. And, okay, I I gotta say, I love the meta way they incorporate the chorus after the third verse, where the speaker turns on the radio, and the chorus of this song is the song that he hears on the radio. Kind of like we talked about in the Joan Jett episode with I Love Rock and Roll being what's playing on the jukebox. It's that same energy here. Very clever and there's something interesting about this instrumental in particular i feel like we need to highlight like the instrumental section in this song the two of them mm-hmm. typically i feel like during an instrumental all the instruments just go crazy 
and then like maybe there's one instrument that gets its own line that they really highlight, but the rest of them are just going crazy in the background to fill the space. But not here. It's simple, easy to follow. All the instruments have a place and a lane to stay in. You know, again, pun intended about the driving stuff. But um, and I like it. I like the, I like that it's a simple instrumental that's just meant to be catchy. You know, they're not just trying to overwhelm you with instruments. Yeah. Oh, and it's easy to remember too. That guitar solo in there, it it's melodic enough to stick with you. Oh, and the second one, the drums leading into it really they really highlight the drums to ramp up into the second one. It's just a classic beat. It's a good song. I like it. Sure is. I like it a lot too. And it has an awesome transition to track two. It, yeah, it transitions pretty smoothly into King of the Nighttime World. Which is another classic Kiss song that, again, once it started playing, I was like, oh, obviously this is Kiss. How did I not remember this one? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This song got its start as a written work and was first performed by the Hollywood stars. So this Kiss version is actually a sneaky cover that borrows the lyrics. Yeah, well, it's Kisses now. It's another one of those ones that Kisses just taken over it. Just taken, yeah. Just like I love rock and roll. Yeah. King of the Nighttime World and You're My Headlight Queen, I feel like it has a pretty grim irony, given that it follows a song about a head-on car crash like that, which I think it's such a striking and poignant decision to smoothly ease into this the way that they do. They come right out of the other one and right into this one, which really ties the two together that way. This is a, It's ironic that you said that the lyrics are taken from another song. Mm-hmm. because the lyrics are honestly my least favorite part of the song. Like, the lyrics are just kind of mad, but those instrumentals and the beat are just really fun to jam out to. Oh, absolutely. That's the king of the nighttime world. Ba-da-da-dum. You know, it's it's really fun. Like, I don't really care about any of the lyrics at all. No. It's one of those songs that, like, dancing around at a party or something, just everybody going ba-da-da-dum together when it hits that part, you know? It's got to be fun to perform. And you're right, the lyrics are just whatever. This is another instance that I caught where somebody way too old to be in school sings about how much school sucks. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, good Charlotte. Listen, some people just can't get over it. (laughs) Some people just can't get over it, I know. Listen, some people can't get over how much school sucked 30 years ago, and some people can't get over how an American told them their teeth were bad. All right, so... (laughs) Everyone's got something. (laughs) Everybody's got something. (laughs) The song presents the idea of running away together, you know, just living away from the house and the family and the fights, being together all the time. I like that. The only lyric that I highlighted as maybe certified poetry was, you're not content far from the music and the glow. I just, I like that a lot. That's that's a good one. And the bridge, of course, uh, just classic. I'm the king, I'm the king, I'm the king, I'm the king, I'm the king. It really, lyrical pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep, definitely a lyrical pinnacle. It's, it's certainly musically one of the best on the album, though. So, I'm all for it. King of the nighttime world. But, I mean, we move right along into God of Thunder, the song that inspired Frankenstein props. Sounds like another one you knew. Oh, yeah, again, we I, I, wrote, I wrote right in my notes. Man, this album is just filled with all the Kiss songs I know but forgot I knew. <laughs> like it was just like how did i not remember this was a kiss song it's got such a wonderful guitar line the song based on mythology you know how i feel about that good how is how he feels about that by the way if you were yeah big yeah. fan big fan <laughs> i forgot about this section of the song and i was just reminded of it by my note but i just have a note that says get that kid out of here get that kid out of here <laughs> yeah well 
there is a little kid that that starts off the song and it's uh i don't know remember pet sounds with all the funky instruments and the sound effects well here's that you know they use all kinds of weird instruments and things like audience noises screaming zippers walkie talkies explosions clapping little kids it's uh it's a lot of incorporated sounds giant giant electric tesla coils i mean yeah (laughs) zap This song was the brainchild of Paul Stanley, but Bob Ezrin, the producer, he wanted it to be slower and put Gene Simmons on the vocals. So that's kind of how it transformed into what it is today. It was supposed to be a little faster. Paul Stanley was supposed to take it because he's the one that made it, but we switched it all up. Also, gotta love the rhyme, trained to reign as the one. Great rhyme. Yeah. And of course, yeah, like you said, pretty obvious mythological illusions. Daughter of Aphrodite and everything's pointing towards Zeus, the god of thunder, and blah, blah, blah. It's a very good song. It's not as catchy as the first two. No. but it, The guitar is catchy, but the rest of the song, no. Yeah. This song is a slow burn of a rock song, and I like that. And boy, do we really pump the brakes a little bit as far as rock goes on Great Expectations. Great Expectations has one of my favorite choruses on the album. Really? And you guessed it. It's a song I knew but forgot I knew. Wow, four for four. Wendy's sponsor us. Um, anyway. I don't know. I just really like I just really like when they hit the with all the like the bells and then when the later on in the song when the chorus like comes in with them to do it. It's the you've got great expectations. It's it's so good the way they hit it. Yeah, it is. I love the way the chorus just launches up. Great Expectations was a difficult song for the band to record. Like I said, they didn't have a ton of music theory training. And this song makes use of Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number 8 in C minor. So there's clearly a lot of musical theory going on behind the scenes. They already had most of the lyrics put together in a song called You've Got Nothing to Live For, but... Simmons liked the title Great Expectations that he took from the movie of the same name and they rewrote the chorus to fit into that title. People, uh, people, you know, they see them make their music, they observe their behavior, and they form these kind of expectations for other parts of their lives. It's kind of a parasocial thing, but in a really particularly physical sense in this song. It's a surprising song on this album, I think, but it's a good one. It's a good one. I, I like it. It's one I, I really know the chorus and guitar parts really well and that's what i always had thought, liked about the song i never really paid attention to the rest of it and never really realized kind of got some sexual charge going to the lyrics just a lot uh, only a lot just just a lot just a lot <laughs> <laughs> that never bothered to pay attention to until i had to analyze it for a podcast uh <laughs> yeah well it's there now uh is flaming youth are we going five for five with flaming youth oh you know we are it was at this point i wrote my notes and started to wonder, do I just know every Kiss song ever? Yeah, maybe you do. That'd be that'd be interesting. That'd be a podcast. Yeah. The man who accidentally knew Kiss. <laughs> so Flaming Youth was born from an earlier demo they made called Mad Dog. They pulled the title Flaming Youth from the name of a band they toured with a few years earlier in New York City. It's a song about your typical rebellious teenager. You know, my parents think I'm crazy and they hate the things I do, but... And my uniform is leather and my power is my age. Yeah, man, that's like not much power. No, (laughs) like if your power level is directly, you know, related to how old you are, you're like, can you imagine all the senior citizens that would be running around like 
Superman. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But it's all about you know, the flaming youth that are going to set the world on fire, which I really like, you know, flaming being passionate and just like full of energy. And it translates into setting the world on fire, making actual change. It's a cool metaphor. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, this might shock you at first. I don't know. We'll see if you agree with this or not. But I think this is in the upper half in terms of lyrical songs for the album. I think this has some of the better lyrics on the album. It's in the upper 50%. I would say this I, It wouldn't surprise me because... This album is great for rock out songs, songs you just want to put on and forget about and just jam. I don't think it's really the best album necessarily to dig into lyrically. I just wish that like they have these really catchy beats and these really catchy choruses. I just wish 70% of the song wasn't the chorus. <laughs> mm, that <laughs> you know? is a wish that's not going to be granted most of the time. I know. And, but it's like one of those things, like you said, you're not really listening to for the lyrics though, so... It's one of those things that's easily tuned out and you're able to just enjoy the song for what it is. It's true. I think one of the songs that is the most, absolute most, chorus heavy on this album is Sweet Pain. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a, it's a song about, you know, Sweet Pain in a bit of a literal sense. He talks about a whip and the leathers, you know, the whole nine. I think it's pretty lyrically light, but the song holds its own again in the instrumental department. Which is, like, the majority of my score. You know, instruments are my go-to. Like, like you know how you have your weighted score? If I were to have a weighted score, instruments would be in production. When it'd be my way higher. Be way higher for me in terms of what I cared about. It's better for listenability and re-listenability, which is your thing. Also, for those keeping track, this one almost became the first one I didn't recognize. I was like, I didn't recognize it. And then they hit the chorus with the sweet pay. And I was like, oh, no, nope, never mind. I know this one. <laughs> oh, I know it. Yeah. Did it drive you insane? Uh, No, but it drove my love insane. I wish it would come back. Whoa. There was actually a little controversy surrounding this song. The producer took out Ace's guitar solo and he replaced it with a solo by Dick Wagner. Ace did not know that that was happening until he heard the finished track. Kind of rude. Huh. Yeah, I know, but who's complaining, right? Because it's it's a pretty good solo. Pretty good. It sure is. Sweet pain, sweet song. Let's shout it out loud. I know. I initially just said that that sweet pain had a lot of chorus, and then I looked at the next track and I went, oh, well, no, this is the one. This is the one where it's a a lot of chorus and a little lyric. This is a signature kiss party song. Shout it out loud. All of the lyrical legwork happens outside the chorus. And all this left is shout it, shout it, shout it out loud. <laughs> this is the first of two that I knew by title. I didn't, like, if you'd asked me to name Kiss songs, I wouldn't have named this one. But when I saw the title, I was like, oh, yeah, Kiss song. I know this one. Okay. And it's one of two on the album that did that. I see. So, so did it break the streak of ones that you didn't know? Or? No, I think it's still part of it. It's you just knew it in a different way. Yeah, it continued the streak before the song even started because I already recognized it. Right. Honestly, even the verses. I said all the lyrical work happens in the verses, and even that is is pretty light. The night's begun. You want some fun. Treat yourself like number one. Okay. Okay. Uh, don't sit there brokenhearted. Call all your friends in the neighborhood and get the party started. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Get the party started. Shout it out loud. Don't let them tell you that there's too much noise, I guess. That feels like another flaming youth type sentiment. 
And definitely don't let them tell you that school is cool because it sucks. Yeah, school sucks. Take it from Kiss. School sucks and my teeth are bad. Stay in school, kids. Stay in school. And go to the dentist, <laughs> though. That's the thing you should do. Shout it out loud. I, I like it. And uh, it's, again, one of Kiss's bigger songs. They're doing something right. I'm a fan. I, the chorus is very catchy. It's the it's like it, when you listen to the album, it's like one of the ones you walk away, not not being able to sing, not 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 being able to sing. Yeah, so being able to sing, you, you just say it. You walk away going shout it, it shout, shout it. it. Yeah, you're right. The next song is Beth, and that's one that I recognized by name but had never heard. You know, everyone talks about Kiss and Beth, and oh, this is the song, this is the ballad song, and. uh I just hadn't heard it until I listened to this album in full. Yeah. Interesting. This is the other one I knew by title, but it forgot was a Kiss song until I saw the title on the album. I was like, oh, duh, Beth. Yeah, it's easy to forget that this one's a Kiss song because it hardly sounds like Kiss. No, but it's so good. This is, it, this, is one of, this is another one of those songs on, this, on the album where the instrumentals just go harder than they have any right to. I know, yeah. This is one of the ones where they had the Philharmonic come in and provide all these string parts. Beth, it's a song about living that tour life and missing your significant other. And, remember, I'll just circle back, it's the one that surpassed the popularity of its initial A-side companion, Detroit Rock City. So, it it took off immediately. And I love this song. It functions really well on this album as a moment for us to step out of the party and actually like experience this vulnerability. Beth, what can I do? Oh, Beth, what can I do? But it, Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Love the instrumentals. I know. Bet you didn't know Kiss had such a sweet side. I did. I knew this song. <laughs> well, you, okay, well, fine. Just the general you might not have known. And the, th- the thing I love about this, in a, I guess, a sad way, is the song never actually gets happy. You know, some songs promise reunion. Some songs take us all the way to the happy ending. But Beth just leaves us with the band still playing all night. The lovers still separated indefinitely. It's just not a feel-good song. No, it's not. And uh, I like that it is bold enough to stay that way. It's it's a song that really just asks you, do you love me? And I tell it, and I say, no, 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 don't say love. But I like like you. I like like, you, you like like Beth. Well, do you love, do you love me? I do love, do you love me? Another, this is the one. That I was like, how did I not know this one by its title? Like, how did I not know Do You Love Me by its title? I don't know. It, it's not like they don't say it enough. Yeah, I know. You want me to sing this one too? I've basically done it to every other one. Well, you might as well close it out. I will I'll surprise you with it somewhere in the middle of your sentence like I keep doing. Okay. Well, this is a Paul Stanley song. And the, the general premise is, do you love me? Or do you just really like all the things that I can give you? Do you like the limos and the money and the rock star life? Or... Do you love me? Do you, do you love, love me? Do you love me? me? Do you love me? There it is. Do you love me? So I was trying to do it in the background as you talked over it. So it was like in the background. It was there. It was a little weird because you kind of whispered it. Just in in in, in post, uh, just turned me down. So I'm just doing it in the background. Do you love me? Do you love me? Now there's a loop that I'm too lazy to do it more than twice. Okay, sounds good. He says, do you love me? Like literally, I, I did a count. 56 times it's another highly repetitive song i mean i know it's sad that our spinet repetitive award is up in like the hundreds by now i said if stevie wonder didn't blow it out of the water this would absolutely be in contention for the joan jett spinet repetitive award 
I really, this is another one of those courses that's just annoyingly good. And it's it's annoyingly good because it's it's this, just the same lyrical beat and everything. There's, there's, the drums do the same beat. The, same, the lyrics are the same, you know. It's just, just repetitive thing as a whole. But it's so darn catchy, you can't help it. It's very catchy. You love, you love to see it. I have a question for you. Which of these things in the verses do you like the most? Okay. I'm curious. Oh, you want me? Uh, I thought you were about to give me a list of options. You want me to just pick something? Gotcha. Oh, well, from the verses, from the yeah, there's. I can give you a list. The limousine, the way the the wheels roll. Oh, uh, it's got to be the honey. The honey. Love me some good honey. That's like that's like Halsey. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm like Pooh Bear. <laughs> like you, you Pooh Bear, huh? I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't take uh, like something like like a private plane. That's a good one. No, yeah, you're right. I'd probably um, uh, let's see. I can't. I don't like the electric car. Uh, the the electric guitar. I don't need because I got air guitar strings. Right. Kiss branded. Limousine would be cool, but I feel like I get bored of it having no, or I get tired of not having anywhere to park it all the time. I think hotels would be good, assuming that I get to like own the hotel. Oh well, I feel like you're just staying in it though. He doesn't. It's not specified though. So, if you like hotels, I'm gonna choose fame. Then I'm gonna choose fame because if I'm famous, then the podcast is famous. So, I'm gonna go fame <laughs> just for the podcast's sake. Thank you. That's very generous of you. Someday the podcast will return the favor. If this was a Metallica album, I, I was gonna say all the money, honey that I make. Maybe James Hetfield wrote it and he he would have actually made honey, but no. And the album ends with the, a really sucky song. But thematically, it it fits. <laughs> it's pretty cool. To yeah, to its credit, I mean, on the actual vinyl album, this song doesn't really exist. You know, this part does, but it doesn't get its own track listing for Spotify, for radio, for other things. It's split up into Rock and Roll Party, which is basically just like sound and like it sounds like maybe the audience singing. Uh... Great expectations. It's in there. Yeah. It's just a little minute and a half, little little blurb to end the album. And that's not bad. That's that's the party coming to an end. It's the uh for the for the record, the only song on the album I didn't recognize or know that was a kiss song after I heard it. <laughs> well, that hardly counts, yeah. Yeah, so assuming that that doesn't count, I did know every song on this album accidentally. <laughs> you thought you thought you knew none of them and you knew all of them. That's got to count for something. Well, while the rock and roll party may be over, our party is just getting started. It's time for final spin. We've decided to move where we put the playlist pick, and that's fine. I'm still adjusting to it. And by decided, I mean I just, uh, I, I wore you down enough that you've submitted to my demands. That's whatever. That's, that is what it is. Now, I've got things to say. Start with music. The music on this album is really great. It's a rock and roll album. It's a metal album through and through. Like you said, everyone has their lane and they stay in it. The instrumentals are awesome. They keep you grounded in the song. You'll be singing along when it's done. And it's really interesting to me that they learned to play music better while they were making this. You know, we've got excerpts from Beethoven in here. We've got all kinds of unique moments of them playing in sync, all the walk-downs and the guitar. Unique moments. Thank you. And <laughs> and so I think the music is shout, nearly the strongest shout, point on this album. And I'm giving it... I'm shouting out loud that the music's getting a 94. 
94. All right. I like that. that. I agree with that. It's a great album to listen to. Every one of these songs could be a playlist pick and I'd be okay with it, except for Rock and Roll Party. So, Well, then that's all we got to pick. No, I think that speaks <laughs> to the musicality of it. This is a surprisingly good album. Lyrically, but <laughs> it's well, we're getting to the lyrics here. Lyrically, obviously, a little bit weaker in that department. A lot of repetitive lyrics, but sometimes that's just to build the party atmosphere. I like a lot of the topics that they tackle. You know, some of the mythos and God of Thunder is cool. Great Expectations is a really interesting concept. Beth is just beautiful. Flaming Youth, like we talked about, one of the stronger songs lyrically on the entire album. Lyrics are good, a little repetitive, sometimes a little lightweight, but they're just party songs. I'm giving lyrics an 86. Oh, well, that's higher than I expected. I, I maybe could have gone a little lower. That's true. Instruments and production, what's not to love? I think the album sounds great, even now, almost 50 years later, 45 years later. It's it's still just as good. I think they were right. I would honestly say it's probably gotten better with age. Some iconic songs on here, because of the instruments and the production, real just enduring rockers. Given instruments, a 90. Nice. The overall vibe, this has to be one of Kiss's best albums, right? You don't even you don't even listen to albums or Kiss particularly, and you knew every song on it. So that's pretty strong. I love the atmosphere it creates. I love the the ideas. I love the, the rock and roll party all the way through, except Beth, which I still love, but it's not a party. I think gets a very, this is the strongest category for me. Vibe gets a 95. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which takes our total score to a 92.4. Top 100? Puts it at a pretty solid number 38. Yeah. Wow, top 50. Top 50. I, I really like this album, and I really enjoy it. Honestly, I mean, with nine tracks like this, it's short, easy to listen to, simple to digest, and it's a lot of fun. I like Destroyer. 92.4. Well, it likes you. It should. It better. I just scored it so well. It's like, do you love me? And you were like, yes, I love you. 92.5 uh, Four. amount. Four. Sorry. 92. Sorry. Whoa. Way off. 92.4. Disgusting. I would never love this album at a 92.5. I'm sorry I even suggested it. Well, let's talk about your score. Well, first, the Connor Top 3, which is truly a top three this week because I stole one from the next two episodes, this one included. Yeah, you, you picked too many on I Like It When You Sleep for You're So Beautiful Yet So uh, I shouldn't say too many. It's just, you know, that album needed more, so I borrowed. You certainly did. It did need more. It was 17 songs. It was pretty big. Yeah. And so my top three in reverse album order. That's why we're going to do it unprompted uh, this time. You do it normal. Oh, well, I can you never just go with what I want. You always got to challenge me. All right. In album order. Uh, just What if you started in the middle and then went, you know, like ping, ping pong back, back and forth. forth? Yeah. Well, there's only three, so that would work. Back and forth and back. Yeah, well, it would just be back and then forth. So I'm going to start. And then I'm going to go back, and then I'm going to go forth. Sure. Whatever you need to do. So, in the middle, great expectations. Okay. I've got them. You've got them. We all got them. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got them. You got them. We all got them. <laughs> That's the slogan right there. Going back, God of Thunder. Ooh, okay. Yes. And then going... And rock and roll. Yep. And then going forth... Beth. Interesting set of picks. Those are my set of picks. I'm really sad because I did write down, as I always do, my honorable mention and then just black it out and put redacted next to it. Yep. And we can't say it. It's cheating if you say it. Nope. Can't say it. 
Can't say it. You're not allowed to ever look at it. It's just, it's forever marked in the history books, but unaccessible to everyone else. Right. But me. I can see it here and cry. Okay, when you do that. Now, knowing your top three, oh, it's a tough call. It's a tough call, because like I said, so many of these would be good. I'm not going to make it a tough call. I'm telling you, I'm taking Beth. You take whatever you want. I will not be sad with any of them. Understood. We'll take Detroit Rock City. All right, that's acceptable. That's That works out perfectly. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, can't say. Right, so so noted. Cry about it. Um <laughs> Thank you. I feel better. Anyway, uh, I'm curious to see what you gave this surprise album that you knew all of. Yeah, like I said, uh, I have no evidence to the contrary, so I think I just know every Kiss song ever. Until you find one you don't know. Which I'm never going to listen to another Kiss song ever again. Right. So I'll never be proven wrong. No, I really like this one. Like I said, the lyrics, bleh. But you don't go into a Kiss song expecting grand poetry, right? No, it'd be a tongue twister, and that's a real problem for Gene Simmons. <laughs> He's got a long tongue. <laughs> Wouldn't that make it easier to twist it? I mean, that makes the twist worse. You can't just leave it that way. It'll get stuck. It's true. Typically, that would have really hurt its score for me, but the instrument and the, and the music and all that's just too good. I don't really care. So I'm giving this one eight tongues out of ten for me. Eight tongues. Awesome. I like that. I mean, I like that. Kind of a predictable unit, but... Eight? I didn't know if you give this one a nine. It doesn't seem like it's quite your nine caliber. No, it doesn't quite get nine. If you look at the ranking spreadsheet available on our website, www.spinit.pod. Dang it. (laughs) Spinitpod.com. I couldn't do some side whether or not there was a pod there. There's a pod. (laughs) Can't forget the pod. No, it's a group of whales. (laughs) Yeah, if you look at uh, the ranking spreadsheet, it doesn't quite reach the Montero or at Folsom Prison caliber, which is what's needed to break your way into the nines at this point. That's a pretty high bar. It's going in right. This is where it gets tough. Yeah, it really does. Mm, I'm torn. It's going right below Golden Hour. Oh. Right above Avenged Sevenfold. That's way lower than I thought. Really? Yeah. I really like, I love rock and roll. Sure. And honestly, I haven't listened to Golden Hour in a really long time, but I remember really liking it. Yeah, at least for four happies and four sads at the same time. So I just put it below it, arbitrarily. Awesome. I may come to regret that decision, but that's where it is. That's that's officially where it is. And where it forever shall be. Until later. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming to check out this podcast and this album and this band and these people talking about this album and this band on this podcast that you're checking out i really russian nesting doll that yeah you did if you're looking for us on the web you can find us at www.spinitpod.com thank you <laughs> i was already planning to jump in and say pod i love that you need to just pause for me we're in sync <laughs> the synchronicity this give and take dynamics of the podcast we're 50 episodes in i can read your mind like a like a oh, I thought you were gonna finish the sentence. Oh, 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 uh, like a um, do you love me? <laughs> He's giving up. He's giving up. Me? I thought we were more in sync with this on our 50th episode. <laughs> you can also find us on Twitter at SpinItPod and on Instagram at SpinItPod Official. Remember, we'll have all those fun pictures of Gene Simmons' tongue and other merchandise. <laughs> So be sure to check it out. Tongue merchandise, not his actual tongue. No, well, maybe. I don't know. Well, maybe. Maybe check out the post. Find, find out. out. <laughs> and until next week, you, you have a great week out there. We'll, we're bringing you another 4th of July Independence Day special next week. Yeah. Everyone say it with us. Shout it out loud. Keep, Keep spinning. spinning. 
I hope you all shouted it really loud and disturbed anybody on the bus near you or in the on gym the, or wherever you listen to this. Yeah, thing. all the places. Those are the two places, on the bus or in the gym. <laughs> Those are definitely two places. They are two of the places that you could listen to this. Oh, shoot, we forgot to finish with a weird sentence. No, we haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, pancakes are like cut. <laughs>